Today, Pastor Ray Bentley takes us to a moment when Jesus stood before his disciples and asked, who do people say that I am? Peter stands up and says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Peter, the only way that you could know the answer to that question is if it came by divine revelation. Wow, and it still takes a special revelation to see him today. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. What humans know fills libraries. What we don't know is how much we don't know. And when we consider the omniscience of God and all that takes place in the eternal realm, which we can't see, we can begin to realize how limited our understanding really is. Some insights on that today from Pastor Ray. All right, Mark chapter eight. The title of the message is The Revelation, and beginning in verse uh, 22. It says, and then he came to Bethsaida, which is a little fishing village along the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. And so he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. And then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. And then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. All right, this is a very famous story of Jesus healing this guy and it's a different kind of healing. And there's something very unique about this healing. As we come to this particular healing of Jesus, here's what is unique and peculiar about it. This miracle of healing occurred gradually. It occurred, you might say, in uh, seasons or phases. Now, here are two things that we know. In this story, number one, Jesus did, in fact, heal him. That's number one. The guy got healed. And number two, here's what we also learn. He did it gradually. Or, let's say, in phases. Phase one, we could call it, and phase two. So at the very least, when we pray for people, because the Lord said, look, I'm gonna send you out, and I send you into the world, and I'm with you, and I'm in you, and I'm gonna be uh, my spirit upon you, and I want you to lay hands on the sick, and I want you to pray for them, and they will be healed, and if they have demons, they will be delivered. So uh, that's not just for pastors and missionaries, that's for the whole body of Christ. <laughs> Every one of you on the authority of the Word of God is, is deputized that you can pray for anyone in your family or your neighborhood or your friends or your workplace or school in the name of Jesus Christ. It's the priesthood of all the believers. 
You can pray for them. You can lay hands on them. And, and the Lord promised that he would touch them and that he would heal them. Now, you pray for them and you believe that God has the power to heal and you trust in him. And he said, ask that your joy might be full. So you pray for them, and if they still need healing, as this man, even with Jesus, said, well, I see men as trees walking, Jesus says, let's pray again. So you can continue to pray. Never give up, never stop. Pray, keep on praying. Look, we're, how many would agree? We're not the ones that do the healing. We're just the vessels through which the Spirit does all the work. He saves people, he does the healing. So our part is just to have faith, and persistence and trust and wait upon the Lord. So let it, it may happen gradually and that's okay. Keep believing, keep praying, keep trusting, let God do what he does. You be faithful to do your part, he'll be faithful to do his part, amen? Okay, now here's another application. We too see Jesus or understand him gradually. Christ in you, the hope of glory. <laughs> we are going, going to be full, we're going to arise to the full measure of the stature of Christ. <laughs> and you know where the Bible says, be perfect as I am perfect. And we usually, wow, perfect. I can't be perfect. Forget about it. But we're, that's a limitation of our understanding of language. That word perfect, a, a better um, understanding of what that means when Jesus said it, what he meant by it is maturity. Be mature to the full measure of the stature of Christ. Now, each one of us has our own unique personalities and we're all different. Praise God. Thank God for that. But I want you to know this. Every single one of you who is a child of God, when you get to heaven, will have the full maturity of the character of Jesus Christ in you, shining through you for all time and all of eternity. And that's why heaven is going to be heaven. It's going to be so wonderful and so awesome. And the Bible says that we don't have to wait to grow up until we die and go to heaven. We can begin growing right here, right now. The purpose of Jesus is to form his life, his character, his heart, his spirit in the life of a man. He takes a man or a woman and he washes them and he cleanses them and he comes into our life and he anoints us with his spirit and he wants to live in you and through you and speak in you and through you and shine through your earthly tabernacle and reveal his glory. There are what I call now flashes where all of a sudden, uh, you know, I love this story. I told it in the book of Acts when right after Jesus had, had uh, he had risen and then, you know, for 50 days they were waiting and then Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And all of a sudden Peter preaches, as we saw in Pentecost, 3,000 get saved. Shortly thereafter, Peter and John are walking into the temple with, you know, the very place that they were terrified where Jesus had been taken and beaten and crucified and nailed and, and they were afraid hiding indoors. Then the resurrection happens. The Holy Spirit falls. Peter preaches. 3,000 get saved. And now here they're walking boldly in the temple. The very same Pharisees standing there thinking they had ended everything when Jesus is crucified. And now Peter sees a guy begging alms, 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 playing on the tenderness of spiritual people going to the temple to worship God. 
Peter walks up to the guy and he says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Yeshua of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And Peter reaches and grabs the guy by the arm. And here's what I feel happened with Peter. Peter knows that the risen, living Jesus is in him. And through his own eyes, he feels Jesus' eyes looking at this man. He, he is conscious of the presence and the spirit of Jesus is in me. And Jesus in me can take that guy by the arm. Now get up and stand up and walk. He had the faith of it. Yes. That, that flash of Jesus in Peter is what it means that Christ in you is the hope of glory. It becomes a daily experience where all of a sudden you, you see a situation or you, you are with some people and all of a sudden something pours into your heart and you start feeling something, a burden, a passion, a love, and it's like Jesus and he just, he just he's burning inside of you. And you go, wow. And all of a sudden you let Jesus out a little bit. When you express that which he puts in your heart, it can be a thought in your mind, a flash, like just an image, a flash, a vision, a picture. And, and you're, wow, where did that come from? First Corinthians 2.16, we have the mind of Christ. Jesus is in you. He says, hey, you're not the only guy in here anymore. I have the ability to think in you, use your brain and give you thoughts. And I just gave you one. What do you think of that? Right? Wow. The mind of Christ, the heart of Christ, the consciousness that Christ in me is the hope of glory is a powerful thing. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13 is in your notes. Let's read that out loud together until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. He is alive in you who believe. And sometimes, you know, if a healing doesn't take place immediately, don't give up, don't stop praying and don't stop believing. As you grow and as they maybe grow in their own receiving of it, it will happen. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. We really enjoy hearing when Pastor Ray's teaching and preaching touches lives. Dear Maranatha Chapel, thank you so much for your ministry. I really appreciate Pastor Ray's daily devotions and the online worship. Thank you also for your prayers of protection. God bless each and every one of you and your loved ones. And we thank that listener for those uplifting words. How have Pastor Ray's studies in God's Word each day encouraged you? Would you write him and tell him your story? Send Pastor Ray an email at ray at raybentley.com. That's ray at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Now look with me in verses 27 through 30. In verse 27, it says, Now Jesus and his disciples went to the towns of Caesarea Philippi, and on the road he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? And so they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, You are the Messiah. And then he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. Here's graduation day for the disciples. <laughs> and again, after three years of study, it was a one-question test, and they were given the answer beforehand. Um, as Jesus begins this final phase, so let's say he's got about six months left, and he's making his way toward Passover in Jerusalem. After three years, he takes his disciples to the territory of Caesarea Philippi. It is in the furthest northern 
uh, reaches of Israel at the foot of Mount Hermon. It is the highest mountain in Israel, Mount Hermon. Uh, Mount Hermon is so high, how high do you say is it? It's so high <laughs> that it snows on the mountains. I don't know if you've ever thought of this, but people have skied on Mount Hermon. Did you ever think there's a mountain with snow on it that people would ski in Israel? It is there, Mount Hermon. It is also here at the top of Mount Hermon with all that snow and rainfall that comes on that very high mountain that is one of, the water goes deep into the mountain and it also comes up from deep beneath the earth's surface and it bubbles forth literally from the ground and is the source of the Jordan River, or at least one of the main sources of the mighty Jordan River, this fresh water that flows up out of the ground. And what's interesting is that there is a place that, that has a giant stone. I mean, it's just giant bedrock at the base of which comes all this fresh bubbling water that's the source of the Jordan. And there are places there etched into the rock that go further back in history than Christ himself of idols, of pagan idolatry and worship. It was known by the Jews as the very gates of hell, where the Gentile, it was mostly Gentile territory. It became a center for idolatrous worship. How interesting that Jesus would bring his disciples here for this question. Who do you say that I am? Almost on the edge of the frontier between the Jews in Israel and the whole European Gentile world and the pagan world. He asks his disciples, who do people say that I am? And the response of his disciples is very informative. Some said, well, the people are saying you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Somebody else said, no, there are others that are saying you are Elijah the prophet. The last uh, prophecy they had was that Elijah would come before the great day of the Lord. They think you are Elijah. There were still others that said another prophet. Well, other gospels tell us which prophet they thought it was, Jeremiah, who was known as the weeping prophet, a very tender-hearted prophet. Now, what's interesting is traditional Judaism has never held to a teaching of reincarnation. But there was a belief even in the Torah that there may be a resurrection, an appearance of special individuals whom God would send. Now, what is the opinion of Jesus' own disciples? Because there were so many different opinions about Jesus among the general population, it would be very interesting for all of us to listen and to hear what did the people who spent three years of close, daily, intimate contact with Jesus, who did they say that he was? And Peter stands up and speaks for the group. He says, you are the Mashiach. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Peter was expressing a belief and an understanding of the Messiah, that the Father would have a unique relationship with a divine Son. It's mentioned in Psalm 2. Uh, in fact, go with me. Hold your finger in Mark. Go back with me to Psalm 2, verses 7 through 12. Because this was not some later invention that the Messiah would be the Son of God, but was found in the, in the Scriptures, in the Old Covenant. Psalm 2 verse 7 says, I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance 
and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed, or oh, how happy are all who put their trust in him. In whom? In the son. It's speaking of the Messiah. All right, back to Mark chapter eight. Now, I want you to notice when Peter is asked this question, or the other disciples, when he says, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God, if Peter was incorrect about his opinion of Jesus, Jesus would have there and then corrected him. But not only does Jesus not correct Peter, he tells him, you gave the correct answer. And in fact, not only did you give the correct answer, you could not have known this of yourself. Peter, the only way that you and the rest of these guys could know the answer to that question is if it came by divine revelation from my Father in heaven, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Wow. The Father had given supernatural divine revelation, and may I say that is true for anyone who looks at Jesus of Nazareth and recognizes him as the Son of God and as the Messiah and the Savior of the world. You didn't figure that out, as cute as you may be. But you have had a revelation, a divine revelation. We're reminded that Jesus did not come to start a new religion but to fulfill the ancient Hebrew promises that were given to Israel. And the truth is, it's still not always easy for people to see when they look at Jesus. And that's why it took a special revelation for Peter's heart to see Jesus, and it still takes a special revelation to see him today. Now, Matthew 16 gives the same story, but adds a little bit more detail. And I wanna read Matthew 16, verses 17 through 19, the same place, the same story. And here's what Jesus said, blessed are you Simon Barjona, Simon the son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now, the, the church, for part of the church, historically, they've interpreted this phrase to mean that Peter himself would be like the first uh, pope and foundation of the church. But when you get into the actual language of what is said here and what Jesus actually described, it's a little bit deeper and a little bit richer and, and different than that. When he said, thou art Peter, in the, in the Greek language, it is Petros, P-E-T-R-O-S. And what it means is a little stone, a little pebble. And I would not um, think it odd if Jesus did not reach down and pick up a little pebble and say, thou art Petros, you're a little stone. And on this rock, but when Jesus said rock, he did not say Petros, but he said Petra, P-E-T-R-A. And Petra is a big, giant rock. And it just so happens that in Caesarea Philippi, there is this gigantic stone face on the side of a mountain where the water, fresh water comes bubbling up that is the source of the Jordan River, which brings life into the Sea of Galilee and on down into the desert. 
You are Petros, a little stone. On this rock, I will build my church. What was that rock? What was the Petra that the Lord would build his kingdom upon? It was not on the man, Peter, but upon the confession of Peter and the identity of who Jesus is, that divine revelation that thou art the Messiah, the son of the living God. And every man and every woman and every boy and every girl who makes that confession by divine revelation of the spirit that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God, has now built and added stone by stone, person by person into a living temple that brings glory to God. Hallelujah. So that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it's interesting because in the new covenant, the New Testament, Peter is called the apostle to the Jews. That's what his calling was. So it was not necessarily about the church made up of both Jew and Gentile. Peter had a very specific call. He is Petros, a little rock, but on this Petra, the confession of Jesus as Messiah, that would be the foundation of the church. And then he told Peter, I've given you the keys to the kingdom. When we read the book of Acts, Peter is the one who stood up on Pentecost and it was all Jews who had come from all over the world at the feast, the Jewish feast of Pentecost. Peter preached to all those Jews and 3,000 Jews got saved. Jesus said, I've given you the keys to the Jews. I've given you now the keys to Samaria. And there when Philip went down and evangelism began happening within Samaria, he said, Peter, you need to come. And Peter went and confirmed it, what God had done and what the Holy Spirit had done. And so Peter, with his keys, opened the door also into Samaria. And then finally to the Gentiles. In Acts chapter 10 and 11, a man named Cornelius, who was a Roman and a centurion and a good man and believed in God. But Peter was sent to him. Now this was hard. Peter being Jewish was like, well, wait a second, don't the Gentiles have to become Jews and get circumcised and follow all this? And the, and the Lord said no. And he gave him a dream and he gave him a vision. And he didn't just give it to him one time. He didn't just give it to him two times, but he had to give it to him three times. Yes, Peter, you're holding the keys to the entire Gentile world. Okay, Lord, here we go. Cornelius and his whole house get saved. And that door opened to all the Gentiles and all the nations and thus was fulfilled the Abrahamic blessing. Through you, I shall bless all the families of the earth. And that's where we are today. From every nation, every language, every kindred, and every tribe, people being brought in. The house of God is being built, and Jesus is soon coming for his bride. He's just waiting for his dad to give him the okay. Yeah. <laughs> He's just waiting for, for dad to say, can I go now? Can I go now? And he said, when you see all these things begin to take place, lift up your heads for your redemption draws nigh. The bride should be looking because the bridegroom's coming at any moment. And the bridegroom, I think he's standing his toes are at the, over the edge of the clouds. I'm ready, Dad. Let's go. And he's waiting for him. So the bridegroom is waiting and the bride is waiting and we're looking and we're witnessing and sharing and experiencing Christ and the hope of his glory in the meantime. And God's going to bring in a lot of people in the days and weeks and if there are years ahead until finally at a moment nobody knows, not even the angels in heaven, not the son, but only the father. Okay, son, go get your bride. And in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, We'll all be gone and we'll be in heaven. And the marriage supper of the Lamb will begin. Amen. Amen. And we're eager for that day to get here. Pastor Ray Bentley with encouraging insights from our studies in the Gospel of Mark today here on Maranatha Radio. Now, today's study is titled The Revelation. 
If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at RayBentley.com. That's RayBentley.com. We hope you'll stop by our site today. When you get there, under Media, you'll notice three words, Watch, Radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. Plus, click About and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email, free of charge. Plus, you'll find other spiritual growth books and resources from Pastor Ray, including his latest book called The Threshing Floor, a prophetic fiction novel. So many are enjoying the full series called The Elijah Chronicles. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also make a donation right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Mark. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.